Welcome to Dwelling on Dreams. I am Taylor, a Ravenclaw. And I'm Victoria, a Hufflepuff. And we'd like to thank you for joining us as we take a deep dive into the wizarding world and all of its inhabitants. And for all of you who haven't read the books or seen the movies, we would like to warn you that there are spoilers ahead. Today on Dwelling on Dreams, we are going to be discussing time as both a general concept in the wizarding world and specifically the time turners that had such a key role and then kind of just went away. (laughs) Yeah, it's a wibbly wobbly timey wimey episode. So before we get into all that, we did want to just highlight real quickly that June 18th is when the Battle of the Department of Mysteries takes place in the books. Yes, for our Wizarding Wireless News, we are celebrating the anniversary of that battle, and that kind of inspired the time theme since that's when all the time turners were destroyed. And we actually missed the anniversary of the Battle of Hogwarts when we took our break. So hopefully a year from now, when we come back around to May, we will be able to celebrate that. But I think it's kind of fitting that we are talking about the Battle of the Department of Mysteries before we're talking about the Battle of Hogwarts. It's true. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... It's kind of when a lot of Harry's friends had their first combat experience. It was a big deal for Mm -hmm. a lot of characters. Sure. It's where they go from really having things in their more secure, safe world of Hogwarts, which admittedly Hogwarts actually really wasn't that safe for them growing (laughs) up. But um, it's when they really actually started to find real world consequences of their actions. And And Harry really, his friends, I mean, his friends had been injured before, but Mm -hmm. they were seriously and permanently hurt in in some cases. And because he made a decision and he made a call and they followed him. Mm -hmm. And that was really the first time I feel like, I mean, they'd done it before, but it's always been, minor consequences to to his friends this was not this was not at all no ron was hurt by the brains hermione got hit by a curse neville was tortured yeah it's great stuff yeah (laughs) but they won sirius died (laughs) yes well yeah i mean i know sirius didn't follow them but he i mean he didn't follow harry there as harry was a leader he followed them out of concern yeah to save them yeah, that was a bit, big night on many fronts. Harry attempted his first unforgivable curse, mm-hmm. failed, but Voldemort possessed Harry for the first time, truly. And they both gained a much better understanding of their connection, even if they still did not know where it came from. And as we've just mentioned, the Time Turners were destroyed. The we Time Turners. We were first introduced to the Time Turners in the third book. And what do you think about that? The use in the third book. Oh my goodness, I mean... Hermione is just, I love her to bits and pieces, but I really don't think that was a good judgment call to let a 13-year-old completely overwork herself and try to do everything. I mean, as an adult, you need to use your knowledge to help the younger generation kind of maybe find their limits and find, you know, that they, they can't do everything. They can't you know, it doesn't work yeah. out in life for you to do that. And, you know, maybe there was another way. Maybe she did stuff independent, study over spring or like summer or something like that. There could have been another way. But to have a 13-year-old be given the weighty responsibility of time and going back in time. And she's very responsible. I understand that. But I really don't think that was a good judgment call at all on McGonagall, possibly Dumbledore, you know, like the ministry the chain. Any responsible adults of any kind should not have allowed this. It's, it's A, yes, she's overworking herself. Right. And B, I mean, like you said, she's responsible, but this is, first of all, she's Her friends not, are not. She's not unique. I'm yeah. sure there's other overachievers that want to take lots of classes. Yeah. And she's not that special of a 13-year-old. Like, she's Harry's friend, so we, we feel like she's super special. Of but course. In the context of their third year at Hogwarts, she's really not. She's right. just another student. 
So the fact that that many people decided it was a good idea to give something that was so incredibly dangerous to a 13 year old to play around with for a year. It's just, I feel like that was more of a plot device than a realistic actual. Oh, 100%. Definitely more used as a plot device. And I mean, yeah, Hermione is responsible, but her friends aren't. Yeah. Ron and Harry, no. And Hermione, I I also don't really find it believable that she would have just lied to them for an entire year. Right. Like they, I, nothing about that part. That's always bothered me. Nothing about it seems realistic or in character. So much to keep up with. Right. And she's aging twice. Right. Like she's months older than she should be. I mean, she's already the oldest in her class. And then she's also aging pretty much a whole year. I mean, for the whole school year, because she's doing everything at least twice. Yeah, she's taking the classes at least twice. And you got to imagine she's got to take some free time, too, so that she can get all the work done right. twice. There's just... It, it, I, I don't mind the existence of the time turners. Mm-hmm. It makes sense to me that the Department of Mysteries is experimenting with time. Totally, mm-hmm. that makes complete sense within they're the context. Cool of the, they're a cool magical yeah. item. I mean, they're they're a very hefty responsibility magical item, but um, dangerous, but very neat. You yeah. know, this is just not the way to introduce them. Right. I think for most fantasy-esque book series, time travel is something that people like to explore because we want to see, figure out if someone can figure out a way to make it more possible, you know, for us. Yeah. And um, that's something people have been fascinated by for hundreds of years. And the handling of time travel is different from, you know, book to book and movie to movie. And it's always interesting. It's an interesting thought experiment. Mm-hmm. And I actually like the way it's done in Harry Potter. I think mm-hmm. it's really elegant, the kind of closed loop. Mm-hmm which we'll get back to that. But um, at the, I feel like we need, this is where we need to start addressing the, the, the reasons that we hate cursed child, but we'll come back to that a little bit. For those of you who don't know, Harry Potter time travel is basically whatever you go back and do, you was already really experienced the first time around. You're Mm -hmm. not actually changing anything. It's it's a little bit of a logical. Schrodinger's cat. Like, yeah. In yeah. a way. It doesn't, if you think about too far, you follow the logic all the way. It's right. it's a little bit mind-bendy, but the, the concept is... <laughs> Wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey. Yes. yes. The idea is that if, you know, you go back in time and throw a pebble at somebody, to use the movie's example, then the first time around, you would have still, that person hit, been hit by a pebble. Mm-hmm. You just didn't realize the cause of it until you went back and actually threw it. Right. So, yes. So very elegant. Yeah. I just, you know, don't have any dealings with your prior self. Yes. And the idea that people have gone mad, it's probably true, but you'd like to think that her Hermione, who'd been using the time turner for an entire year, you know, a few months and saw herself, she'd be okay. Right. Well, even in the movie, she thinks she sees herself. You know, there's that moment where after the pebble's thrown, she's like, wait, I thought I saw, and she doesn't finish her sentence and they, they go you know, because yeah. they need to get out of the way for the executioner to come back and like um, the buck be- to find Buckbeak, um, and they haven't rescued him yet in their minds. You know, but she thinks she sees like herself or her jumper or something. She thought she saw yeah um, herself and Harry, but yeah, yeah. But I mean, it, yeah, it's very elegant. It's very clean. I don't have much issue with how it's done in the books and the movies. Yeah. Um, and like I Just, said, it makes total sense that the part of mysteries would be experimenting with it, but it also makes sense that they would be very, very, very careful with who they gave access to that kind of power mm-hmm. to. It also makes sense that they would be very, very careful about distributing that kind of power. And it does not make sense that they'd give it to a 13 year old to help her with 
with lessons. Yeah, especially because it's not even like an owl or a new year. You know, it's her first year of her electives. Yeah. And and surely McGonagall knew she didn't need to take muggle studies. Surely she knew that divination would not be Hermione's cup of tea. Like, yeah. she could have been advised better. Right. I really, yeah. And I don't think that it was probably a good precedent specifically for Hermione to give her the expectation that she could be the one student who does every class. Yeah, you know? get special treatment. Get special because, treatment. Yeah. One that's not going to be specifically fair for anybody to find out later, if anyone ever does find out later. But... It's still just, you know, that's that's a lot of special treatment. And again, like we were talking about earlier, as adults, the responsibility is to look out for, especially for McGonagall, look out for the students underneath her charge in her house. And she knew Hermione would have to overwork herself to do all of it. Maybe she thought Hermione would give it up after a month and be done. But, but that's a really dangerous way to teach a lesson. Yeah. And she didn't, and she worked herself to the bone that whole year. They're yeah. always constantly talking about how, just like, and it was completely she unnecessary. Never had time and was tired, and yeah, yeah, it was, and it was all it was for literally for nothing. Mm-hmm. She didn't need to take Muggle studies. She was Muggle born, <laughs> so that was useless to her. And and she hated divination. Yeah, but she was stubborn enough to just keep doing it because she had signed up and she refused to drop a class. So right. Well, she wanted all of her owls. Eventually, she wanted to. She thought she could get it and take everything. There's something to be said for academic studies and being dedicated to your studies. Very much is. But yet there's also something to be said for having a life. Yeah. And being and, a kid when you still were a kid. And if you follow the logic of the ministry and the McGonagall and Dumbledore and whoever else was involved in the decision, then she would have been using a time turner for three years aging three extra years or probably not that much but you know mm-hmm. at least you know two two between two and three years and then just miserable if she if she'd actually followed that to its natural conclusion mm-hmm. and just died <laughs> from overworking but it there's, there's nothing about it that makes sense yeah no not at all and the only thing i can think of is McGonagall must have thought that after like a week or a month, Hermione would think it was too much and would come to her and say, hey, this isn't working. I need to drop all these classes. But that didn't happen. No. And I think, you know, I think as an adult, it would have been prudent to step in possibly at that point. I mean, what, I don't know what you really could do if she was acing her classes, but yeah, at the same time, there should have been some limits. There should have been certainly some boundaries probably communication with her parents to say this is what's going on your child is going to age three years yes yes we're gonna yeah (laughs) of course this is not exclusive to the situation that there's no communication with parents and or that adults didn't step in when clearly they should have Mm -hmm. um this is like you said hogwarts is dangerous no one really (laughs) no one really takes well Well, being of the students that seriously right and even their head of houses i mean we don't really know too much about like um flitwick and Professor Sprout, how they manage their houses, per se, but especially what we see with Gryffindor. I mean, McGonagall's set up to be like this kind of, you know, good aunt-esque type figure. Teacher, strict, yes, but like she cares about her house and all the kids that are in it, but she hardly does anything like as far as, you know, like guidance or there are moments that she does have and that she does shine, but like things like this, where you'd think that somebody who in lieu of parents is supposed to be watching out for the people, all the the children in her house. And maybe there were other things going on in JK Rowling's mind, but 
I mean, yeah, and I've heard criticism that not of anybody in particular necessarily because this is just how the world's set up, but, you know, she is a teacher and she teaches, you know, at least seven classes, probably more. Mm-hmm. She also is the deputy headmistress and Dumbledore's away a lot, so she probably had a lot of responsibility delegated and she's also the head of the house. So probably she just had too much going on yeah. and head of house was probably the least of her, of those concerns. Right. Which I'd argue it's really a pretty important one yeah. too. Yeah. But I mean, you know, Hey, that's a criticism now after the books have come out and yeah, it's and can, all been written we can go back and see it. And, and we can look at every interaction and dissect it. You know, that's probably not how that should have gone over the main plot. This is definitely <laughs> what we yep. should be talking about. Yeah. So there are proponents for those of you who are curious of separate and only head of houses for all of the real Harry Potter students who are now suffering in the in Hogwarts. So J.K. Rowling has said that she inter- sometimes introduced powerful objects, gave people access to magics that then later on she realized she'd given them too much ability, too much power. And I think that applies to the time turners here. She mm-hmm. introduced it as kind of a plot device to make sure that the end of the third book was exciting and mind bendy and that, you know, that was magical. But then she realized that giving this character the power of time might, you know, give it a little bit too much of a mind bend, maybe to have both sides have access to it. Mm -hmm. I don't think she wanted time to be a huge theme throughout the series. I think she just wanted it to be a cool aspect of the third book. I think it was introduced pretty early for it to not be a huge thing because there's so much Mm -hmm. you can do with time given you know that that was the third book and you had four more you know like i agree there was a lot of potential for time and you introduced it so early on and then it really didn't come up until like the fifth book when they are in the department of mysteries and then again like not really in anything after that and most things she introduces has introduced that early do come up later like that's one of her main things is that when you i was kind of expecting looking you're looking one way and then suddenly oh there it is again and right and then you expect unexpected ways and playing a bigger role in the plot. Um, but instead she destroyed all possibility. <laughs> and, <laughs> no more. <laughs> in the aforementioned battle of the department of mysteries. Right. And so what do you think about that decision to just kind of introduce it? And then two books later, just destroy it. I think that's a missed opportunity. It makes me sad, you know, but it's hard also looking at it now and knowing the success that it is and how big it's gotten. And I really don't think when she was writing the third book, it was at that. I mean, it was well received by then, but I don't know if it was at that stage where like, oh, yeah, she's going to get to tell the full story in seven books. Maybe, you know, like, I don't know if she I know she had so much of it plotted out. Right. Like I get I mean, I get why she introduced it in the third book. Because it is a cool thing and it's something different and it's new and it it, it changes it up a little bit because you're on your third book. It's junior year and you need to do something <laughs> different to kind of differentiate because the first two really did follow a bit of the same pattern in, yeah. in, in a way. I mean, there's twists and turns, mystery type things, but like you need to do something different. In a little the bit third. Scooby-Doo in the A first little bit Scooby-Doo. One. Yeah. I love me. I hate. I am the Scooby-Doo girl. I love it. But you need to change it up a bit and that definitely did add just that extra element which made you still like super intrigued to see where she was going to go with the other books and definitely book four changed the game way a lot oh yeah so you know it was a good transition right but just to completely get rid of all that and I don't think all the time turners were in the department of mysteries I'm holding out that there was probably one or two that I don't think I think she has said that she deliberately destroyed 
the, the time turners yeah. just to remove that possibility from the future. And to be honest, I'm, I'm going to contradict you here. I'm kind of glad that she did. I, I think that if she had re- let that remain, okay, backing up. I mean, she I didn't think necessarily I know to destroy it in order to, like, I wasn't thinking about the time turner in book five. Yeah. And it, it's not something that I think would have, if she hadn't destroyed it, then suddenly there would be this, these huge plot holes. There could have been ways to write around it because he wasn't right. on great terms with the ministry. There's not really reason to expect that he automatically would have had access to them. Well, yeah. And I mean, aside from the impression that we're given with Hermione getting it, they really actually are terribly hard to get access to. Right. But I am glad that she did not make it a huge deal in the later books because then it would have become a books about time, which mm. are very, very different from books about magic and war. And while it could have been interesting, and I think it's interesting now to explore the possibilities of what could have been done with time turners, mm-hmm. I think that as the original book series, that was not the point. And right. if it had, if we had made the time turners a major device later on, it would have completely changed everything we know about Harry Potter in a way that I don't think was necessary. It made it more sci-fi maybe than fantasy and make it less about Harry, more about mind-bendiness mm-hmm. if you will yeah interesting to me i think that goes back to what we discussed about her definition of time as it being a closed loop that we see everything that had happened you know like going back in time if you were to add elements in if you kept to the same story though it would i think it would have made some really interesting side trails it's, okay what if that went wrong the first time they go back and they like but that we know the fixed you know or something like that i think there could have been some neat things but again i'm a huge sci-fi fan so yeah, to I me, th- that sounds intriguing, but I, I understand and I get the yeah. purity of this is what happened and, and I f- they got one fully, chance. I fully support, again, exploring the idea, asking the what ifs, doing adding in layers of time travel and even like, you know, creating your own headcanon or, you know, fan theories about what if this event in the book was caused because of Time Turner and we just didn't know about it, but... I, I just don't think that's the actual Harry Potter series. Characters always take a backseat, I feel like, when things like time travel are being explored. And not always, I'm sure. I'm sure there are very good examples. But time mm-hmm. travel becomes the main character as yeah. opposed to the actual characters. I don't think that's what the Harry Potter books right. were. No, they're not. Out. Not at all. So the Department of Mysteries is exploring many, many areas of magic and humanity. They have a room filled with love. Which, how does that work? We have no idea. (laughs) They have brains and memories and that are kind of almost sentient or at least weaponized. (laughs) Was it wise for them to to expand their research into time? Is that something that Hermione and Dumbledore have made it very clear that meddling with time is very dangerous and could have disastrous consequences? Would it have been better if the time centers had never existed? Interesting. Aside, interesting plot device aside, Mm -hmm. I probably would err on the side of it probably would have been best if no, that is not explored just because of the potential of it getting in wrong hand. You know, it's just, I'm, I'm always on the better safe than sorry side. Yeah. (laughs) And, you know, for me, I mean, I think it's a fascinating piece of magic and I think it's a really clever use. I like how she put everything together with it and thought of it, but I think, no, not necessarily wise. Am I surprised that they went into this research area? No, everyone 
likes this research area. I'm not surprised that it came up, but I think I would have left it well enough alone. Yeah, I guess my thing is there's always, this is the you know age-old debate about research. Do you expand your horizons for the sake of expanding your horizons and then venture into areas that maybe should be left alone, but justify it by you know scientific curiosity? Or do you play it safer, try to, you know, to draw within the lines of what's useful and ethical. And a lot of what's in the Department of Mysteries, I think, is very useful. I think the the Hall of Prophecies recording, you know, what has been foretold can be very useful. I'm sure that the research into brains is, has many applications mm-hmm. for real world. I don't know, since it's almost universally agreed that time travel is dangerous, <laughs> that <laughs> that there was a huge... And I, I, I don't know what uses they put it to, so maybe it was something that was incredibly useful and they used all the time and it was they were able to yeah. harness that power into something that was a societal good. But I feel like probably they just created them because they could. And it's, if you have something where multiple people probably have gone mad enough for people to mention it every time they let someone use a time turner, mm-hmm. it just shouldn't be around anymore. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it just, it, it's gone by, it's gone wrong, you know, probably a couple of times. Yeah. It just should be done. And it's, probable that they're not easy things to make since when they were destroyed apparently they were just gone for a while (laughs) like they could just like make more so maybe they did take a step back and rethink their priorities and what what they were actually doing the usefulness of what they were doing but probably not because the department mysteries don't seem to really care a great deal about no much of uh, external influences no yeah, no, I think they're very much along the lines of that research potential that you were talking about and expanding horizons, which, you know, there's not necessarily a bad thing about that. It's yeah. just your applications of the technology that you make. There are certainly arguments to be made on both sides of the debate, and I don't know that I come down strongly on either side. Right. But there are a f- cer- there are certainly instances that I can point to that I say, okay, that was something that we shouldn't have touched, and mm-hmm. it was touched, and and yes, there should have been a boundary there. Where those boundaries are drawn is always the the gray area. Yeah. Interesting. So the next time we see time turners, because we do see them again, Mm. technically, if you really want to count this as canon. For those of you who don't know, (laughs) we have strong feelings about this. Yes. So for those of you who have not heard of The Cursed Child, it is a two-night play that is performed, I think, still in West End. And in New York. It's definitely in New York. I think Tori actually either was supposed to go see it or saw it recently. Yeah. It started in the West End. British. Yeah. Uh, not surprised. But I was I was there when it was during its, its near its inception when I was. Mm-hmm. And so I saw there was like a whole area, like blocks of the West End were just covered in Harry Potter and the Cursed Child stuff. Sure. It made me cringe every time. Yeah, I'm sure. But it also was released as a book. And that's how we both... Yeah, the script. Right, the script of it, because um, we can't fly to London on a whim to yeah. go see a two-night play. And to be honest, I didn't have a desire to see it while I was there. I, would, yeah. I walked past it all the time. Because she'd, she'd read the, she'd read I'd the, read the script, and I did not want to see it. And so, I, yeah, I was yeah. not even tempted. And if Taylor doesn't want to see it, then you know it's just all the bad things. Yeah. So, yes, it's called The Cursed Child, and it is technically a continuation of the Harry Potter story. And it's technically canon, according to J.K. Rowling. But she did not write it. She put her name on it, so she like as a co-author. She signed off. Yeah, but she was not the originator of the idea. 
which changes the whole thing for me. It changes everything. Yeah. But the fact that she said, yes, this is actually what happened then. It, it, it like makes something screwy with people that. are mad at her for a lot of things. I'm mad at her for that. <laughs> I'm mad at her for that. Like it, it's awful. We love you, JK Rowling, but this we, we do question. Yes. And I'm sure it is very visually dramatic and mm-hmm. energetic on, on stage. I'm not, I've heard lots of things that it's great play and I bet it's a great play, but, but as a continuation of the Harry Potter series, as a, the plot and the characters, everything about it is horrifying. You know, I would have accepted it as a fan fiction. Yes. I mean, I wouldn't have liked it. Not but even good fan fiction. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. But I would have accepted it as, okay, this is someone's interpretation yeah. of what happened. Cool. Great. You can have your interpretation. I'm not going to take that away from you, but I wouldn't. But the whole thing about this is expected to be canon. It completely, completely changes the characters that we've known and loved and yeah. just it undermines the entire last book and the epilogue. I just, uh, the thing with Cursed Child is it's really, really tied back to time turners. It's a main plot device yeah. for the play. And, and it's one of, we have lots of very major complaints. This is one of them. This is one yeah. of my big ones for Cursed Child. Because it changed the way that they used it. Double time. Yeah. yeah. Completely changed it. The from, elegant way that we were just discussing the closed loop, the, the way those double... Easy to understand. Yes. It's suddenly... It's just, they decided, let's not do that. <laughs> and and they explained it by just basically saying, we found a, we made a super time turner. Okay. Woo. And then. Is it extra sparkly? <laughs> yeah. Is it really big? I don't know what it is. Um, like obviously I have not read that carefully. I'm sure they addressed how big it was or what it looked like. Um, but, and so suddenly these characters are able to move. And in the original time turners, you can have a finite amount of time. You can go back. It doesn't exactly say how much that time is. But you have you can turn a certain amount of times. A few hours is kind right, of the you had to do like a quarter turn for an every hour or something like that. I think it, it's it's a lot. It's it's yeah. It's but it's very with, precise. It's like days, not yeah yeah. You can't yeah you yeah, can't you, go back years. Yeah. So this new super time turner, you can go back years and years and years, and then it's not a closed loop. So whatever you do there, it completely changes everything. So they keep going back and changing things then jumping back to the future and suddenly Voldemort's one or suddenly this person wasn't born and suddenly their right. parents are, you know, don't never met each other. All these consequences that a didn't make sense. Right. And that <laughs> messed it, with yeah. the characters in and of themselves. Do you do not make Cedric degree evil? I'm sorry. Do not. Just the memory of Cedric. <laughs> but it's not okay. I mean, there he had flaws, but come on people. <laughs> anyway. So the idea was that they could go back years and years and years and then, actually change things whereas the time turners of the actual harry potter books they're already changed it's not you're not really affecting new changes mm-hmm. so i yeah i hate this <laughs> it makes me so mad yeah yeah just cavalierly rewriting everything about history and then so it, the idea that pa- magic is powerful enough to l- allow a couple of teenagers to go back in time and then write people out of existence and and if they hadn't gone back and fixed it, then that would have been it. Like mm-hmm. that, that would completely re- rewritten reality. Mm-hmm. And it just goes against everything we know about magical theory, which is not a ton, but we do know there are limitations. Mm-hmm. We do know that there are, we, you can't just, there's no all powerful wizards and there's no all powerful objects. The idea that you're making this canon that you could, a couple of teenagers could go back in time and completely change everything 
rewrites the theory of time, rewrites the magic, rewrites the characters. It rewrites all the books. It rewrites the series in the worst possible way. Yes. Mm. And Mm. I'm running out of words to express how much I just do not like We're both really mad right now. (laughs) Every time we talk about it, we get mad. (laughs) Yes. So we will explore other aspects of The Cursed Child that we do not like in the future episodes. Right. But this is... We, we it's hard to address time in the harry potter universe without talking about a cursed child and for those of you who are happy to have cursed child as canon i don't get you but if you, please tell us why <laughs> yes but if this is this treatment of time you like it great i am not going to we try would, we would to, love to have a discussion with yes. someone who really actually ardently loved cursed child not to like we just honestly would really like to know why you appreciate it yeah i I feel like sometimes I'm too close to it and I, that doesn't make any sense because I am not unique in that way. There are tons of Harry Potter fans that have had the exact same experiences with it, mm-hmm. but I feel like I cannot objectively review and analyze Cursed Child. Just yeah. Because it was so sad because we were both so excited to get it. Yes. And then we both read it at the same time. We were like, what? Yes. And, and again, there are many, many, many other aspects of it that we do not like. And so don't feel like this was... It was not a decision of, okay, they rewrote how they handled time, so I'm going to be petulant and mad, and it's bad. Yeah, no, there's, there's a lot of other things. I mean, for me, the time travel thing, that would have been an annoyance to yes. me. It wouldn't have made me mad. It would have just been like, eh, okay, I wish they hadn't done that because I understand, you know, it made more sense the other way, and I don't think you can rewrite that. But it was more of what they did with the characters. And it was disrespectful to the characters mm-hmm. and to the world and to the rules that she had written. And it upsets me greatly that she has made it canon. Even if she had just said, okay, make like licensed out the characters, maybe sure. said you can do a play as like a, you know, an adaption. Mm-hmm. I would have been okay with that too. But yeah. the fact that she made it canon and that it's so disrespectful to her characters yeah. and to the world. I know. I'm like, really? Did you read this? Yeah. And it, again, it's doesn't really actually make sense just from a, even if you love everything, all the plot devices and the character changes, just the the way the treatment is just doesn't make sense. The, the fact that inflating Cedric Diggory's head then makes Voldemort win. How? <laughs> that, that logic doesn't actually hold up, even if you explain it in the play. It doesn't. Yeah. So we will probably come back to this, but it's not good for our uh, mental and emotional health to do it too often. So <laughs> but we it thought would... it was appropriate to, yes. while we were talking about the department of mysteries to have a discussion on time. Yes. And there are a lot of anniversaries coming up with battles mm-hmm. and Voldemort's return and all sorts of things happening in June. So we will uh, be addressing those coming up soon and talking about some of those more landmark events in the Harry Potter canon. Thanks for joining us today. Be sure to check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and our Patreon page. We'd love to hear from you. And we'd love to hear what your ideas are for future episodes and topics. We want to know what you want to hear about. We hope you'll join us in two weeks for the next episode of Dwelling on Dreams.